Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, deep political policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. What's going on, oddities? It's great to be back with you. Just wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in the last couple of days. Speaker Johnson chastised House Democrats for not supporting what he calls a clean Israel aid package. Now, we've talked in the past about how Israel is one of the richest countries in the world, something like the 10th to 13th richest country in the world. There's many countries if you look into it. And so that's really saying something. Uh, You look back at uh, their GDP before this war started. uh, It's unbelievable how much money they make in tourism. You know, we talked the other day about dozens upon dozens of NGOs, tax-exempt foundations, whose only job is to raise money for Israel, Israeli government, Israeli corporations, different things like that. It's all to benefit just those specific people. So there's a network in place that you know, your average person has no idea about and wouldn't know to be against it because you're never going to hear about a lot of that. And it's all under the guise of philanthropy. And we've talked many times on this show about how philanthropy, big philanthropy, is really the way they've subverted the government, the elites. And with Israel, it's no different Uh, We learned in the Congress for Cultural Freedom episode that they actually, the CIA, or it was the OSS at the time, uh, when it started and then developed into the CIA, but uh, they had, well, they went through the Ford Foundation for one. That was one of their big channels for getting money, but uh, also they invented organizations. So, you know, it's, it's interesting how these things happen, and it, they go under the radar, and most people would never think about it. They see a so-called philanthropic organization, and they probably get a warm feeling in their hearts, as they should, 
until they find out how these things work. And um, you, know, you go way back to the book, um, I think it was called um, Foundations, Their Power and Influence by a Renee Wormser. And uh, the book explains how these organizations, these tax-exempt organizations had really subverted government. And there is kind of a revolving door between the people in a lot of these NGOs and the presidential administrations and really big businesses as well. And a lot of these NGOs are funded partially by these big corporations. It's a, it's a real kind of a hidden network. And, uh, you know, again, most people would never know because they don't look very deeply into things. They just kind of hear some things in the news, see a few headlines, and they base their opinions off of that and what little bit they learn from GovCorp history classes. But, uh, you know, it's just ridiculous how much Speaker Johnson and the Republicans, and as we've documented, many of the top Democrats, favor the Israeli government and favor Israel over its own citizens. Mind you, he wants this 14.1 uh, or maybe 14.7, I forget, billion in aid to go to Israel, an already very rich country, when our country is 35 plus trillion in debt. And I don't know if you guys have ever checked out one of those live debt clocks, but it's unbelievable how that ticks up constantly. And so, uh, yeah, you know, if you look at this stuff on paper, it doesn't make any sense, but people are so used to it, they don't really know they should be against it. And you know what? That's one of the few times I'm going to side with the Democrats. Good for them for not passing that. And I don't care why. Uh, I think it's shady that they want to pass these big spending bills, especially when they go to foreign aid, under things like the border problem. You know, that, that's how they get you. Uh, we know the NDAA the National Defense Authorization Act has been traditionally one of those mechanisms for them funding all kinds of other things. And we know that they do all kinds of shady things like pass these big bills a lot of times right before or during a, a holiday, at night, those kinds of things, because they know they won't get as much um attention, basically, and not a lot of people will be paying attention to the news either. So uh, it's just shady all around. Uh, you know, Obama, excuse me, uh, Freudian slip. Uh, no, uh, Biden is actually bombing it. You know, and I say Biden, and I realize that the president isn't the be-all, end-all by any means, but uh, the Biden administration are bombing in Iraq in Syria, claiming that they're going against Hezbollah and Iran and all that. Uh, Israel is bombing in Syria. Israel's always bombing places. Of course, they're killing the Gazans by thousands, um, but they're also bombing Lebanon and Syria. And it's, it's so obvious that this is the greater Israel project that Netanyahu talked about, and uh, the greater... Israel project that's been talked about for many, many decades under the new Middle East project, the Greater Middle East project. Talked about that too recently, but people need to get familiar with these things so they'll know why a lot of this stuff is happening. It's been planned for a long time to happen. 
America's going with it. America's going the way of Rome, spreading itself too thin, getting involved in other people's entanglements, and um, just going into massive, massive debt. And uh, they don't understand, the average person, that all these things, that a lot of them support militarily and foreign aid and foreign uh, policy-wise, are going along to destroying the country. So I said the other day, of course, uh, you know, the Republicans don't even realize that by supporting these wars and genocides, they are supporting globalism because this is all a part of it. But, you know, try to tell that to the average Republican and conservative. They just don't understand. They think that getting involved in all these other countries is patriotic and that uh, they would probably think that the founders would approve of that, you know, even though the founders warned not to get in foreign entanglements, not to go abroad seeking for monsters whom to devour, not to have large standing armies. Uh, you know, they said that the cause of tyranny at home is usually in the guise or under the guise of fighting a foreign enemy. You know, all these things that they knew way back when, and we've made every mistake they warned us against. So, uh, you know, and we could have a discussion about the founders and being deists and Freemasons and all that, but the bottom line is we're here because of them for the most part, and even if you don't like the Constitution, it has and still does keep certain things from happening. It's a stumbling block, and uh, without it, I think we'd just be totally ruled by these large corporations and banks. Now, we're mostly ruled by them, but we have government buffoonery and red tape getting in the way. And it does, uh, you know, there, because of having that government, you have to, there, there's kind of a trail if one wants to look at it, uh, follow the money and follow the documents and the programs and the spending bills and all that. So that's just my opinion. Um, here I see a tweet from the spectator. Pakistan has both shut down its mobile services and closed some land borders today, the day of national election. Uh, Pakistan's supposed to be one of those democracies, you know, we talk about spreading democracy, you know, that's mainly the kind of tune that the Democrats use, but also some Republicans use spreading democracy, especially when they want to justify war. And we've proven and talked about on this show, especially in the episodes on the uh, national or the NED, um, the, the organization called the National Endowment for Democracy, which is a front, a CIA front for overthrowing other governments. And also, again, uh, you, you look back at the Congress for Cultural Freedom and how that was all about using propaganda to liberalize these other countries and make them more pro-Western or more pro-American not American people, mind you. They thought the American people were idiots and rubes with no culture, but they wanted to liberalize. Basically, it was all about um, liberalizing these backwards countries, these countries that had their own traditions and their own customs. And that's what they're doing to America, obviously. You talk about uh, cultural Marxism, but you know uh, the OSS hired all of these... Uh, a lot of them were Jewish, uh, but a lot of them were Eastern European and whatnot, and they were liberal as hell, and the OSS hired them to liberalize all these other countries through media. 
And it's usually about getting trade, too. Uh, it's not just about overthrowing the government and controlling it from within. It's about getting these big companies and banks in these countries that don't want them. So, um, yeah, that's a that's been a thing that's been going on for a very long time, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I said the other day that, um, you know, with all this, all this crap going on, all these people pretending to be outraged that uh, Tucker Carlson interviewed Vladimir Putin. You know, you think back to the Uranium One deal. Many of us remember that with Hillary Clinton and the Russians getting a, a well, the Russians gave a huge uh, gift in money and funding to the Clinton Foundation. And then we find out through, I think, Peter Schweitzer's work that uh, Hillary was working on a deal which would have built a Russian Silicon Valley and using some American technology as well. So uh, you think about how they have selective outrage. And I, I said the other day, I said, a lot of these same people that are making such a big deal about Tucker, and, you know, I've said it in the past, I don't fully trust Tucker because, you know, we do know that he wanted to be in the CIA. You know, we've all seen that red I suppose it's a Kabbalah bracelet. It could could be a Hindu bracelet, but you know some of the things he says are definitely correct. And uh, I don't trust Putin either. And we've talked about that in the past. Even done two shows on how Russia has been in bed with the UN and Agenda 21, 2030, the WEF. Uh, they were uh, really big early on on mandatory pokes and um, experimenting on their people with uh, these jabs. So I don't trust them either. But um, look, Tucker could have interviewed Biden, Obama, George W. Bush, Dick Cheney. He could have interviewed those guys and they're responsible directly because of the bills they signed and the policies they supported militarily. They are directly responsible for millions of deaths, displacement, um, injury, uh, starvation, I mean, you name it. And uh, he wouldn't have got a, a peep out of it. There would have been hardly any blowback because people are hypocrites. You know, they, they want to have somebody to hate and rail against. And, um, you know, it gives people on the left and people who are basically on the left, Bill Crystal and the like, uh, these Fabian-esque socialists, basically, who pretend to be conservative, it gives them something to push against, but they're hypocrites, and uh, really their opinion does not matter because when you're shown to be a hypocrite, there's no reason to listen to you any longer. And that's a lot of people. Uh, let's go back to uh, Matt Gates is endorsing McCarthy, who was replaced by Johnson. Now, I laugh because I immediately, uh, I immediately looked up because I knew that Johnson had been given, Speaker Johnson, uh, a Zionist Hero Award right after he was placed in as Speaker, and I do mean placed. And McCarthy, of course, has spoken at APAC several times, but also been given an award by the Zionist Organization of America the same night, I believe, that Trump received his Theodore Herzl Award from the Zionist Organization of America. So then I look back and see, well, Johnson, he was funded heavily by APAC. And 
it's just funny. Then I look up Gates, and there's a tweet by Gates, a couple of tweets of him meeting with APAC and praising APAC and Israel and all that. So your your conservative wing has been captured. Most of your Democrat Democratic wing has been captured. It doesn't matter who you vote for. Like I always say, you still get Netanyahu. And it's just crazy to me that people do not see that. Again, uh, Johnson was just over speaking at the Knesset in Israel with Amir Ohana. So it's just ridiculous. I mean, um, why would people put up with this? It's it's because of partisan politics, for one. For two, it's because they don't know enough to know they should be irate and against these kinds of policies. Uh, another thing I was noticing is that Trump, well, he, he's walked back the thing with Bud Light. He's saying that they're not a woke company and they're a good company to endorse. And uh, I noticed Dana Loesch was coming out against that big time. And I'm not a fan of hers, but, you know, good for people for at least standing up for what they believe. Because like I said, you know, if you're willing to change your mind on something you were so passionate about previously, just because your leader says, oh, they're good now, then you never had any principles. You never really stood for anything or against anything. So it's just uh, something that we should point out here, how easily people can be moved and manipulated. And I see a lot of people going along with Trump immediately. And um, it just it's just an example of the things I talk about all the time with you know, this uh, hero worship, um, this uh, propaganda and political psychology and cult of personality. And, um, you know, it's just part and parcel of all that. Um, I said the other day, I said Con Inc., you know, they, uh, they need these sensational social issues to keep their audience and the constituency loyal because they consistently are horrible on other issues like debt, uh, spending, war, everything else. And so they could keep their people uh, interested by, like, say, Prager and uh, MRCTV and Turning Point USA, some of the most basic B outlets out there. Most of these guys are funded by the same people like the Scafes and the Mercers and the Kotches and different things like that, uh, the Adelsons. But uh, they have the most simplistic tweets in, in, in messages like I don't have it in front of me but um, it was um, turning point you know they had yesterday I think it was um, they had um, a message it said a post and this was on Facebook I know I shouldn't even get on there but it was something like let me pull it up here if I can find it quickly really simple tweet about smaller government and you know they don't mean it because they're going to support a big government politician, whoever is the next Republican president. Any attempts to expand the size of the federal government should be met with strong opposition. There's a great example of these basic B tweets and messages and posts that these guys put out there. It's it's kind of like duh, you know. It's um, it's just to keep people interested and, and get pe the crowd agreeing with them. Yeah, attaboy, yeah, you know. Um, it means nothing. 
because again, they will support the next Republican president who will continue to grow the bureaucracy, grow the debt, uh, i.e. Space Force, if you will. And uh, if you're going to support whoever's your candidate, no matter what, you don't stand for anything. You stand for the party. And that's what a lot of these, uh, you know, the Republicans especially kind of come out and they like to, they have this facade of being small government and, uh, you know, for the average Joe and whatnot. But when they get their guy in office, you know, the, all of a sudden half of government at least is pretty darn good, especially the military and, and um, others. So, you know, it's just BS what they say. And at the same time, you know, we pick on the conservatives a lot because I was in, I had more of the conservative ideology and I kind of fell for all these pundits, the, the Hannity's and Limbaugh's and people like that. But, you know, the liberals are absolutely horrible. They're so bad that I don't even talk about them that much because it's so glaring. But, you know, this is one of the worst administrations in the history, maybe the worst. But, um, you know, they like to pretend like they're uh, anti-big business, you know. They're for the little guy, the average little guy, too. And, uh, you know, as soon as their guys get in office, they appoint the bankers, they appoint the guys from these large corporations, the Monsantos and whatnot. And, you know, it's just so silly that people continue to believe these guys and believe that they stand for what they claim they do. Uh, speaking of Monsanto... I was looking at it, if I'm not mistaken, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Trump, and Biden have all appointed Monsanto people to their uh, administrations, or former Monsanto people, high-level Monsanto people. And I believe Trump even okayed the uh, Monsanto-Bayer merger. So, you know, you cannot win. You cannot win. There's no accountability. People do not care. They're just playing partisan politics. Uh, you know, it's just it's same old same, man. Same old same. Nothing much changes. Um, what else we got here? I saw the MRC TV. They were saying boycott Kleenex. And I didn't even read why because I don't care. Uh, maybe they have a good reason. I don't know, but I don't trust that source. And, you know, you look, of course, in their profile, and it's the American flag with the Israeli flag, just like Glenn Beck. And, you know, these people are double agents. But um, I said immediately, you know, these conservative organizations, they're talking now about boycotting. That was kind of a more liberal thing in the past. They would never boycott a woke Israeli company. I mean, they would rather die than do that. And there are plenty of woke Israeli companies. I mean, we know that Israel is one of the gayest places on earth, and their Tel Aviv pride is one of the biggest pride fests on earth. And there's like a crazy, weird percentage of gays in Israel. It's something like 23 or 25%. That's a lot. That is a lot. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, this is what the conservatives, uh, they... they support this kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's so silly. I mean, nothing's going to change. Uh, what else? So I found this, uh, and actually I had this saved in my phone, but I couldn't find it. And I looked it up again where Musk, you know, I, I believe that Elon Musk is a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
This is 2018 Tech News. Uh, this, it says, Elon Musk quietly went to te technological superpower Israel to drink absinthe and discuss the future of Tesla in the Middle East. Uh, March 21st, 2018, uh, Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk visited Israel this week to explore the cultural and or, excuse me, to explore the culture and promote the future of his business ventures in the country. It says he, you know, met with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and we know recently he went over with Ben Shapiro, the, the, the weasel of all weasels, to the warmonger, baby bomber, advocate, uh, Kabbalist, and we know that uh, Musk went over there and palled around with him and, you know, took the whole tour and probably went over and tongued the old wall, the old uh, Roman Fort Antonia wall, um, looking for a glory hole. I don't know if he did that or not, but uh, most of them get the uh, photo op and the, uh, you know, the, the video op of humping that wall. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to say something, man. I don't think I had ever tweeted at Elon, especially not since he took over Twitter. And it has some elements that are better and some that are worse, but now that he you know took it over, but I can tell you this, I actually tweeted at him the other day, little old me, right? I tweeted at him because he was, I don't know, it was something having to do with him going over to Israel, I think. Uh, and I tweeted something negative about it. I can't can't even remember what it was, but it wasn't like anything like really bad. And I noticed my reactions or whatever you want to call it on Twitter X go down dramatically ever since. It went from like seven, eight hundred people would see my tweets to now it's like I'm looking at I've got it open here. Seventy-eight. 89, It's been that way ever since I did that, right after I did that, maybe an hour later. And, um, you know, we know that he was making deals with them, supposedly to fight anti-Semitism, which we understand, you know, a few years ago, they changed what anti-Semitism even means. So, you know, basically, they can say that you're anti-Semitic over everything, any, any critique of anyone who's Jewish or Israeli, or, you know, whatever. And, you know, think about it. Well, that's a place, that's a people, that's a religion. What is it not? You know, they kind of got it made because they can say that it means all those things or none of those things. But they, you know, they will use it against you if you have legitimate critiques of what they're doing. And, uh, you know, that shows you that Twitter is still very controlled. I mean, we all know people that are still getting kicked off of Twitter. So I'm really suspicious of anybody who's really getting a lot of interaction. Why are they allowed to get a lot of interaction? Why, you know, are, why do they have their tweets be seen by many, many people and other people don't, no matter how good or how real the tweet is? Uh, but that's, they control technology. The technocrats do. And remember, you know, if you like Elon, I mean, I agree with him sometimes, but then he walks it back. Uh, but his grandfather was a part of Technocracy, Inc., which wanted to take over the government 
with scientists and whatnot. So I uh, remember uh, Elon recently did a video promoting a carbon tax. So, and of course that benefits him and his company, Tesla. So, uh, you know, it's silly for us to try and trust him. You, you might say, well, he's right about this statement, but I don't agree with him on this other statement. But most people can't do that. They're either for or against. They don't really judge people based on what they say. They, they judge their the persona they have in their heads about them. You know, it's about perception. Uh, what else I was going to talk about? Oh, um, oh, one of the things, I can't remember if I mentioned this before or not. One of the things I've noticed recently is on Boomer Book, if you tweet something negative, or excuse me, if you comment something negative on Facebook, on, say, a Turning Point or MRCTV or um, Bongino or something like that, you automatically get bombarded with bots, and they're mostly women, you know, scantily clad women. That's the pictures. They'll have like two pictures on their whole profile. So you know immediately that they're, it's a scam. But, uh, and they'll say something like, I really find your comment interesting, and I would like to talk to you more about it, you know, or something like that. And I've talked to several other people this week, and they confirmed the same thing happens to them anytime that they don't agree with one of these conservative pages. And so they're purposely doing that to keep people from commenting because they want they want the chorus. They want people to repeat what they say. They want people to just be like, yeah, I was thinking that too. That goes along with my ideology. And it's the same thing that the Democrats do in just a different way. So you're getting censorship no matter what. And I'll remind you too that um, I think we mentioned the other day that Trump, DeSantis, um, Christy Nome, uh, and of course the Biden administration and others have signed this legislation trying to, they call it combating anti-Semitism, but what they're doing is really trying to make it again that you cannot critique Israel and their policies. They are building this small little country up in their GovCorp, you know, their uh, corporations and their government to be unstoppable. And so, you know, Israel's bombing Lebanon because they can get away with it. They're doing whatever they want. And um, it's really absolutely insane what's going on. Average people are just, they feel helpless, but many of them are absolutely clueless. And as long as the powers behind policy can just keep people fighting each other and trying to promote Democrat versus Republican. That's, it's going to continue because they're not going to look behind the scenes and do the real research and try and find out what's going on and really try to do things that would help their lives. I know, I'm not sure if I mentioned this or not, but, um, Blackstone Real Estate bought Tricon Residential, uh, which was in Canada, I believe, and they owned a lot of rental property. And we know Blackstone's been buying up rental property and making rental prices go up like crazy. Uh, Blackstone, Stephen A. Schwartzman, um, of course, he's a member of the tribe, those we don't speak of, Skull and Bones member, appointed by Trump. Blackstone was a subsidiary of BlackRock, Larry Fink, member of the tribe. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on. 
Uh, one thing interesting that I saw earlier in the week is that APAC offered AOC $100,000 in campaign cash back in 2018. And, um, you know, a while back, I guess it was like maybe a year or so ago, she was on video saying that she had found out she had Jewish heritage. Now, I don't know if she's actually supporting Israel now or not, but keep that on the back burner for when, if and when she does. Because, I mean, they buy off her politicians, left and right, you know. Um, and I said the other day, I think I talked about this, but I'm going to mention it again because this is going to go on audio too. You know, the last thing we need is another president. One of the things I've talked about on this show ever since I started it is the cult of the presidency and how it controls people and how it, uh, you know, half the people love them and half the people hate them. But the important thing for the big shots, the elites, is they focus their attention on this guy. He gets the blame and the love, and people don't look much deeper into it, and they almost still believe this facade that the president is all-powerful. Now, he has a lot of influence on people, for sure. He's a propaganda agent. He's a divider-in-chief, but he doesn't have the power that they think. There's all kinds of strings being pulled behind the scenes, financial powers, you know, who actually writes these bills. We get, you know, we go back to, we know that our reps don't even know what they vote on half the time. So, you know, it's, it's all a big farce. If you think you have representation, you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong. They're representing other countries like Israel and business ventures uh, that are all part of Israel and the military industrial complex and big pharma and things like that. They do not represent you. And it's, it's obvious you need to uh, stop being fooled by, you know, patriotic rhetoric and uh, all these silly, silly things. I mean, people are, they just rely on what they want to believe. They don't see what is realistic. And yeah, it's running this place into the damn ground. But, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, see what else I can find here to talk about. Usually, you know, guys, I do a um, detailed show where I do a lot of reading, but I just didn't feel like, well, I actually did a show, but I didn't get the editing done. I must admit, I'm sorry, but it had a lot of edits. And uh, it's hard to find the time to do that. I've had a lot of stuff going on here personally. Uh, one thing I ran into, this is not really worth mentioning, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Judge Jeannie, I think she's very obnoxious, kind of like this, you know, cookie-cutter, conservative, you know, Trump, 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 you know, it's uh, she really doesn't say anything. Well, she had tweeted a while back when Kissinger died, a picture of her, a young Judge Jeannie, with, which she says she was honored to spend time with Henry Kissinger as a young prosecutor, and he was a very warm person. And then I see here uh, Zionist Organization of America. You got Judge Jeannie and Ted Cruz and Alan Dershowitz and uh, Adelson and some of these other scumbags. But she hangs around that crowd, and that that shouldn't surprise you because I've said in the past. I mean, nearly all of Trump's uh, 
administration, the top ones for the most part, have been there at the Zionist Organization of America and all these people that promote Trump, too, in the media, like the Glenn Becks and the Levins and the Huckabees and the Bannons. Of course, Bannon was in the administration, but all these guys have been over there uh, and even won awards. You know, Tom Cotton, um, who'd we mention the other day? Um, MRC, or no, I'm sorry, Newsmax's Chris Ruddy, the founder of Newsmax. He's also won a, a Zionist Hero Award. Um, yeah, and I think I mentioned that the other day, but look, like I said, man, I'm going to mention some of the things that I mentioned because this is going to go to audio, and uh, people need to spread the word that, I mean, obviously Newsmax couldn't be unbiased if the guy, Chris Ruddy, is an admitted Zionist, won the Zionist Hero Award, went to school at Hebrew University, ties to people at the State Department and the military-industrial complex, isn't it funny that he went to the Fabian Socialist London School of Economics? The Fabians started that and continued to run it. And uh, we've talked about that, the place that David Rockefeller and George Soros went to learn how to be good socialists. And um, oddly enough, and I may have mentioned this before, but uh, I think his name was Sir Keith Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch's father also went to the London School of Economics and social sciences, and uh, isn't that funny that he's the one that started the media empire? So you got two guys who started media empires in conservatism, allegedly, who went to the London Socialist School for Economics, the LSE, founded by Fabians. And Fabians, as you guys know, if you've watched or listened to my Fabian episodes, they were very clear about being wolves in sheep's clothing, and that was actually one of their logos. And they talked about permeation, Fabian permeation and infiltration. And they would infiltrate any group, not just socialist, not just Democrat, not just Tory, not just liberal, but even the conservatives. And they did and they will and they have and they are. <laughs> so um, I think it's just a matter of being honest with, with ourselves. Um, these people, you cannot trust them. Cannot trust them. And one more thing I'll mention quickly is um, I was reminded because I was having a conversation with some good friends, and I hope I didn't piss them off. Uh, because, you know, I deal with this stuff because I talk about politics all the time. And I think I, I forget sometimes the average people, they don't know a lot about certain things, and they're not nearly as big into history as I am and the people I talk to because that's kind of what we do as podcasters and and alt media and whatever, uh, some of the alt media. But uh, we're talking about um, if the shit ever hit the fan, you know, excuse my French, and um, if there was a civil war or something similar. And, you know, I said that, uh, and I've said this before on the show, but I do believe that a part of the police and part of the military would obey their leaders and go against the people. And uh, my friends didn't think that that was true. They said, no, that, that wouldn't happen. And, uh, you know, I hope that they are right and I am wrong, but I've always said when it comes down to it, and, and I think that if you ask some veterans, they would say the same thing because they've been so mistreated by our government since they served our country. But when it comes down to it, you're going to have these young 
vets in there, and their lives are on the line. Their their well being. They're there to a lot of them to be able to go to college and to make a living and a life for themselves. And they've got health care and all of this. And when it comes down to their whole life being thrown apart and them possibly being thrown into the brigade or going against their fellow citizens whom they, they're going to be told are anti-government and a threat to the president or the threat to the establishment, whatever, a threat to democracy, then I believe that at least half of them will probably go against us. And the same with the police. Uh, unfortunately, I think we've seen how that could be true with things like Kent State. But uh, I was reminded of something that happened after World War One called the March of the Bonus Army. And this was something like, I want to say, and I'm paraphrasing, something like 48,000 troops in this one faction. And they were promised a bonus. You know, they were promised money to serve. And they were not given that money. And they were hurting. And this was during the Depression. And they, I believe it was during the Depression, if I'm not mistaken. And they marched on Washington. And they camped out there for quite a long time. And the government turned against them. And even MacArthur, General MacArthur, who you, you know, we're told he's one of the good ones, went against them. And, you know, finally they had to leave and whatnot. But that just goes to show you that um, they'll turn against their own fellow soldiers when told to. And that was a long time ago when you would think it wouldn't have happened. And, you know, I have to wonder now if the young soldiers, certainly the Constitution doesn't matter nearly as much. But you have to wonder, we've grown up now with several generations and the first-person shooter games, and I don't care what you say, that has desensitized people to a degree because it's just like propaganda. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't play a first-person shooter game. I've played them before, and I've played this, especially the zombie games, but, you know, it's these things affect us. What we input is what we output, you know, however you say that, and I think we need to think about that. Uh, I hope we never see that. I hope it doesn't come down to that. But I'm reminded, too, that it was during one of the riots in the last few years. I don't remember if it was the George Floyd riot or not. I think it might have been. But they were calls for uh, the, well, from conservatives to send in the military and send in the uh, National Guard and different things like that. And I was like, you know what? I was trying to talk to people online. I said, be careful with that because, you know, we all have the same rights and we all have the right to protest. And I understand when things are, go beyond protest, it is against the law to destroy property and hurt people and stuff like that. But at the same time, when you give that okay for the military to go in against the people, then they've got that same ability to use it on you when you're legitimately protesting your government for doing evil things, for breaking the Constitution, and going against your rights. And everything the government does goes full circle. And that's another thing that I try to get through to people is, you know, when you give your administration the power, you're, you're at least you don't push back against it to do whatever to your so-called enemy, say the Democrats. 
Well, then, you know, when Joe Biden gets in as a president, that administration then has the power to do the same thing to you, and you may have a legitimate cause. And sometimes even the Democrats have a legitimate cause. Now, maybe they're fixed. I wouldn't agree with, you wouldn't agree with, but, you know, some of the things that they say are problems are problems. And uh, maybe I'm just too open-minded, but I don't care about the sides, you know. I, I just don't care because I see what it does to people. As soon as you label yourself conservative, Republican, Democrat, liberal, libertarian, then you immediately start thinking like the herd and it, you know, all, all of a sudden, the herd is what matters, and in the the herd's policy and what they're pushing, and not what's right and not what's wrong, you know, and uh, that's that's one of the human flaws, tribalism. We get sucked into that, and it's very hard for us to fight it. It's, it's it comes pretty natural to us. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the last things I'm going to mention is. Uh, and I don't know if I'm probably not pronouncing his name correctly, but this um, this new guy, Argentinian president from Argentina. Did I say that right? Argentinian? Tinian? Tinian, I'm sorry. Uh, this milieu, is that how you say it? I don't know. Looks like some you know early 60s rocker, British rocker. But, you know, he was seen over in Israel at the Wailing Wall, the old Roman Fort Antonia, over there looking for a glory hole or maybe some cracks with some money in it. I don't know. And I guess he was really emotional. And it's just so funny. It's so weird, you know. Uh, it's so overly emotional and so open about being a Zionist from the moment we started seeing pictures of him. It's just, I don't quite have my finger on exactly what's going on there but obviously he's controlled and uh it's just so silly that the libertarians are just as bad about cult of personality as um you know as the republicans and democrats i think the republicans are worse than the democrats in that regard and then i've always said that the democrats instead of cult of personality and they have that to a degree but they worship the whole entire government and that's that's their problem but, uh, yeah, libertarians, I think because they want somebody to lead so bad, they want to have some heroes so badly that they really, really uh, praise these guys. Anybody who kind of agrees with some of the things that they teach and some of the things that they say and some of their policies. Uh, but um, it's silly to, again, trust people. And, uh, you know, a politician can say that he's fiscally conservative, but, you know, the proof is in the pudding, and most of these guys are not. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, too, quickly, is that, um, I almost forgot this, Speaker Johnson, okay, so AFP, Americans for Prosperity, I saw the other day, they're supposed to be one of the premier organizations, and they're in, in individual states, as well as they have their national uh, organization, but they are supposed to be for obviously prosperity of average Americans and they do a lot of stuff economically and they do some good stuff but uh, they had a video of Speaker Johnson bragging you know, about how good they are and all that and I was just like why would you if you're Americans for Prosperity and you've got the guy on who's been pushing like 60 billion for Ukraine uh, 
14.5 billion for Israel. I'm not sure how many billion for uh, Taiwan. It was a $118 billion uh, bill that they were trying to push, and Speaker Johnson was behind it. And um, again, we're $35 trillion plus in debt. And it's just, you know, it just goes to show that even these organizations that are supposed to be on the up and up and good for the people uh, get suckered in and, and don't have any integrity. Because when they do that, it, it destroys their integrity. But again, we go to people who are uninformed and, and don't understand all of this and don't know a lot about politics and what's really going on because they'd rather, you know, complain about Biden and, and just whatever the headlines are, right? And we all get sucked into that to a degree, too, because you can't watch and pay attention to the news and social media without getting sucked into it to a point. So anyway, I guess that's it. I appreciate you watching this. Uh, this is the first show, believe it or not, to my knowledge anyway, that I've just done off the cuff, no notes. I was just looking at my phone a little bit on my social media. And I hope it's been okay. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but I just didn't get the edits done for my weekly show or bi-weekly show, actually, to tell the truth. And um, I wanted to do something that everyone could enjoy and hopefully get something out of. And, uh, yeah, if you want to find me, guys, look me up, underscore the odd man out on Twitter and Instagram. I'm pretty active on Twitter, but, again, now I'm not getting any, any interaction since I tweeted at Elon. Um, but you can find me on there, and then look in the profile, and it's got the links to my other uh, in my other platforms that I'm on, like Facebook and uh, BitChute. Got a bunch of videos on BitChute. And I'm building this uh, video collection here on Rumble. And I hope that uh, I'll do a lot more videos in the coming months. And uh, hopefully I'll get some stuff out there that you guys are going to really enjoy. Um, I think I mentioned this on the last vid, but I'm going to do for my patrons... A book club, which I've been putting off because last year I just fell apart, guys. I'll be honest. I got really depressed and had a lot of stuff going on as well. But um, uh, I want to do the book club, and we're going to go over Bernays Propaganda, and uh, that'll be the next book in the book club. And we've done uh, The Occult Technology of Power. Uh, we did one on, um, let's see, what was the other one? <sighs> I'm blanking now. Plato. Uh, just kind of looking up the highlights of um, Plato's Republic. And uh, because I think that um, that's really interesting. Uh, Plato's, excuse me, I'm crazy. I'm, I was going to do that one. Excuse me, I had a brain fart. I was going to do Plato's Republic. And I think I did do a little bit. But uh, we, we actually did Machiavelli's The Prince instead because... I just felt like that was such an important uh, part of history, and the things that Machiavelli pushed is really what we see today, a lot of that uh, in government. And uh, I did that because I thought if people understand the way governments work and the way these people in power and people who want to attain power think, then they're more apt to be able to understand what's going on 
And so the other book, The Occult Technology of Power, right there, is the book on the shelf. Great little book that explains, basically, um, it's a fictional book that reads like fact. It's just um, one of my favorites. Very short book, but it's basically, what if this big industrialist, now think of, uh, we'll think of David Rockefeller for lack of, or let's, let's do Soros, Soros, okay, and he, he brings in his son, or his, the guy he's chosen to take over his legacy, and his, uh, his businesses, and he brings him in on the weekend, and he brings all of his best advisors, and they, they kind of explain how this whole system works, this, uh, it's very corporatist, and how they control both sides, and they use propaganda, on people to control everything and how the markets aren't free. And I mean, it's just brilliant because I think it's very, very close to what actually happens. And so, you know, he goes through his advisors and the the advisors teach this guy how to take over the legacy, the, the, you know, the, the businesses and um, move forward from then on. So anyway, I thought that one was very, uh, important to understand because I can talk about the Council on Foreign Relations and Trilateral Commission, Bilderberg. Uh, I can talk about, you know, BlackRock and these other organizations and businesses that I've talked about in the past. And there's just so much detail there, but I think you need something short, quick, and specific to really be able to understand it. And if you're not interested in that stuff anyway, all that detailed stuff will just go over your head. And that book really helps to really see in a clear picture how the system works behind the scenes. You know, these big businesses, the money men control the governments. You know, the governments are the the means by which these big money men get things done in a lot of ways. But the politicians are up for sale, you know, so the politicians aren't the you know, the be-all, end-all. The politicians, for the most part, are the, just trying to get rich from the businessmen and from voting the way that the businessmen want them to vote and doing what they want them to do. You know, they're hired hands, basically. They represent them. They don't represent us. So, yeah, check that out if you want to become a patron. I, you, you know, I really support, or I really appreciate your support. Uh, I'm going to do more stuff on Patreon upcoming, and um, this video will go up on Patreon as soon as I get it edited. So thank you guys for supporting me, and uh, I'll leave the Patreon if you want it. It's uh, the odd man out at uh, patreon.com. So thank you guys. Cheers and blessings, and remember, their order is not our order. See you guys. God bless.